Welcome to Around the Table. If you are contemplating marriage, or if you're a parent with a son or daughter of marrying age, you might wonder what happens after a proposal gets submitted. In this two-part series, we'll be discussing how to prepare for marriage if it's a yes, and in part two, how to deal with a wait or no answer. You just got the answer back on a proposal you sent. Now what? Maybe you need to process that the person that you propose to doesn't feel led by the Lord to take this step. And maybe you're stepping into one of the most life-changing transitions that you've ever experienced. Helping process disappointment or, or getting a couple on solid footing is what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about from the proposal to the beginning phases of marriage, but we really want to talk about three different parts of that. Talk about what happens if you receive a yes, and what happens maybe if your elder came back to you and said that the answer is wait, or maybe he's come back and it's been a little bit more direct and it's a no. My name is Greg Lehman, and I'm the elder at the Wolcott Church, and I'm here with my wife, Mary Beth. And I am... Craig Martin, and I'm also here with my wife, Terry, and we serve the Principal Congregation. So, Craig, we just want to start out a little bit here and talk about what happens when we receive a yes and just touch base a little bit on what's it like um, getting to know each other. So what thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, so Greg and Mary Beth, your experience is quite different than ours. You had a a long-distance relationship, but Terry and I... We grew up three miles apart, and we grew up um, repenting and and, um, were in the same young group for several years. And so our experience was much different than yours. And yet, even being in the same single group, we still didn't know each other that well. And so, Terry, maybe you could explain just a little bit about our relationship there at the beginning uh, when you received that proposal. Yeah, so referring back to what Craig said, we we knew who each other was, and we knew like their families, and we both attended the same church and went to the same single group, but yet we didn't really know each other real well, and we both actually had a high esteem of one another. Like when I received the proposal from Craig, I was surprised actually that he would ask for for me. I just esteemed him that much higher than myself. It's kind of a good thing if we feel like we married up, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And I I likewise, I'll have to tell you a funny story. When I went to my dad to ask for Terry, I had told him who it was. And his comment to me was, well, we'll see. But I think she's too good for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. So we we were going to be spending a lot of time more so than someone who, like you, Greg and Mary Beth, would, would just be spending phone time. We were actually right. going to be physically together. Mm-hmm. And so we had to set some boundaries because we know that there will be some challenges um, going into a relationship like this that Satan would love to destroy our relationship, first of all, with Christ. And so... Greg and Mary Beth, maybe you could just share a little bit about a distant relationship. Yeah, so we did experience something a little different. We were about 2,200 miles apart, and we really had only met a few times, so we didn't know a lot about each other's daily life, really, or or really very much about our families. 
um, outside of maybe exposure to my brother in the young group for Mary Beth. And, but we really felt drawn together, you know, spiritually at heart, we felt a real kinship there. So, you know, right off the bat, we were spending a lot of time on the phone. Well, actually writing letters. We still have letters that we wrote to each other. That really makes you feel old fashioned. You're showing your age there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I treasure those letters. (laughs) But, um, you know, today we're really thankful, right? Even as we're doing this, we can see each other and we're, we're apart right now. And uh, so Zoom and uh, FaceTime, you know, Snapchat, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that can be done. And, of course, the cell phone's available uh, as you're traveling and all those kinds of things to utilize more opportunities to talk to each other or text. So, but I think there was even a little bit more just learning to know each other, Mary Beth, don't you think, from a long-term situation or long-distance situation? Well, yes, all of those things do happen. But also, there's the possibility that you will be going from a city to a rural environment or vice versa. So there's that change involved. So it's really important to, I think, for the person who is going to be staying at the place you're going to settle down as a family for them to visit the other one and just on a weekend, a week that is not really, really busy with wedding plans and preparations, but to really see what their life is like, what their environment, their forming environment was like, their family, their job, their um, just where they've lived. Because there's going to be times for that one who moves that you're going to miss things and it's hard to explain it. But if they've been there and they felt it, they um, know what you're missing. They can really be a support them later. Another real. Well, it probably wasn't real too far home for you, was it, Terry? <laughs> no, it was <laughs> three miles apart. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. both lived yeah. in the country and yeah, everything was a lot the same. Yeah. yeah. Another real gift from Greg with me moving and not knowing the congregation at all, besides a few of the single group was um, he just didn't tell me much about anybody, any family histories or people's quirks or tendencies that we all have. And he let me develop my own relationships or us as a couple. And I didn't view them through his lens, but I was able to, yeah, just build my own, my own relationships that ended up being um, pretty good for him too, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Positive. Yeah. I mean, I think, Part of getting married is that you, you you kind of transition into a different friend group. I suppose even if you were local, you probably found that too locally, didn't you? That you transition into this married group now, and it's a different lifestyle of sorts, right? Yeah, there there was several of us, you know, in the young group at that time. I don't remember how many, but but we did. We we you transition into a a young married group, kind of, and so that's what we experienced as well. Yeah, yeah and some couples, I think. When they get married, you know, they don't have children yet. And so they have a hard time finding their place. They're not really in the single group. And then there's a lot of married couples with children. But yet there's kind of that in-between time that sometimes I think they have a hard time figuring out where they belong. Yeah. And while we're doing all that, one of the things we're trying to figure out is how we belong together, right? And that's kind of what we want to talk about today is, you know, how do we lay this foundation for marriage And how do we start building that right after the yes to the proposal? And maybe we're focusing a little bit in between that time and the wedding date, but really on into the marriage, how we lay a foundation. And so 
we have used a FAITH acronym in the past is kind of how we think about even preparing ourselves for a proposal and getting going on that. And, and the, the acronym would just be the F is follow biblical principles. The A is applying godly wisdom. I is investing in counsel and community. T is transparent with leadership. And H is healthy perspective of marriage. So, you know, we may not get through all these in one session. We're just going to kind of see how it flows here. And so this could well end up being a, a two-part series. And, and uh, But we just want to take some time to touch on maybe some of our personal experiences in our own marital relationships or in, in transitioning through that time period. And then also just experiences we've had as elders helping others walk through that. So I'm going to kind of start out with the following biblical principles. And Craig, just, you know, as we think through this, you know, we recognize right off the bat how serious a marriage vow is, right? Yeah. And, and when we try to do it in our own strength, it's not going to work. And so as we think about following biblical principles, we need God, we need Christ to help us even to, to have the understanding of what they are. And yeah. building this new relationship. Yeah. So we always, I mean, a lot of times we're going to share some scripture, go back to the word and just recognize, you know, in Romans 7, 2, it just talks about that a woman that hath a husband he is bound to her husband, you know, as long as he lives. And so part of this is recognizing and we should have prayed through that in our proposal experience and in preparing to say yes. But even now more so recognizing that as we get to know this person, we're going to be bound together for life. And so, you know, understanding the seriousness of the vow, the, the longevity of the vow, it's a big thing. And uh, then recognizing this, you know, kind of going back to the grounding of what is that biblical principle, the basis of what marriage is really about. You know, in Genesis, it talks about, God making a helpmate for Adam. And, but as the word goes on, really it talks a lot too, just about that we establish this relationship as we were established the relationship. Our highest priority is that we reflect Christ in his church and our marriage. And I like to think of it often that Mary Beth's helping, you know, take, take me and I'm helping take her to the, to the feet of Jesus. I mean, don't you feel it's that way? I mean, for us, Mary Beth. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think that that's what resonates me the most is the call to magnify and honor God by living out and reflecting the relationship of Jesus and his bride. And how we do that is, of course, Jesus with his sacrificial love and his servant heart for us, and then our response of honor and obedience. And that's pretty much, I think, a reflection. Our marriages should reflect that. Recently, I was reading a book um, that was recommended by ACCFS, as I've been um, working through and mentoring an engaged sister. And um, the book is Sacred Marriage. And I just love the subtitle. It really sums it up well. And it is, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? And I think that's a good focus on marriage. Yeah. So as a Getting married, Craig, I, I appreciate it. earlier she's talked about that we refine each other. Did did you get any refining done to you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I definitely had some rough edges. And <clears throat> that is very true statement to make us holy rather than happy. Um, yeah. And, and really, happiness is really answering the call of God, first of all, for our salvation 
And then he helps us in these areas of, of relationships that we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hear that. I, I love it. I think it's a great title, you know, more, more to make us holy than happy. But when we focus on Christ, build our relationship in a Christ-centered way, there is a lot of happiness, right? And actually the Bible would call it joy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm really thankful for that, for the, for the joy in marriage. And we recognize, right, that there's, there is some sacrifice. There's some refining. There's, um, there's some things I, I, maybe we've been married long enough. I'm not even sure which things that I disposed of. They're gone, you know, when you recognize that they were habits you, you needed to. I, I would so say, it, yeah, at, at this point in the relationship, a lot of times you, you just do not understand each other's faults at that point. And you just can't imagine where there's going to be any struggles in this relationship at this point. But as you go and are married for 35 or 40 years, you, you understand um, forbearance, forgiveness, humility, and crying out to God for his help and grace. It, it just really is a journey to develop within us holiness. And it is a blessing from God. I, one of the things that I have even enjoyed too is as my children have gotten engaged and married is watching their spouse refine some of the things out of them that we haven't been able to refine. <laughs> I don't know if you've observed that or not, uh, but it's amazing what love will do. Right. And uh, I remember early on, just, this is a, this is a very trivial um, reminder, but my mom recognized some stuff that I was eating for my wife. And she told my wife, he doesn't eat that. And I guess she didn't realize that I do now. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of things right in that refinement, but hopefully, and, and, and talked about some physical things there, but I think as we think about godly principles that that refinement really comes in spiritual ways. And so, one of the refinements or beauties that I've had the opportunity to experience is in First Peter 3, 7, it talks about husbands that they dwell with their wives according to knowledge. And I think that would be biblical knowledge, and but also just knowledge of each other and give honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And I've always thought as that as, as a, a more refined vessel, um, a more fragile or delicate vessel, and that we be heirs of the grace of life together, that your prayers be not hindered. And I don't think this is for everybody. I, I wouldn't want to impose this on people, but I really encourage our newly our newly engaged people to learn to pray together and to listen to each other's prayers. And we've had a habit of praying out loud. We established that in our engagement, and we've done that every night when we're home for the most part. We very seldom miss a night where we don't pray out loud together. And I was just thinking the other day, I've heard over 10,000 of your prayers probably, Mary mm -hmm. Beth. Mm -hmm. And we've heard some, you know, deep guttural prayer. She's heard some deep guttural prayers of mine. And I think the thing I appreciate is I've heard her mother heart. And that's been good for a father to hear at times. Terry, you have any comments on that as far as how we pray together and, and the differences that we have in each other? Your mother heart, I think uh, I see that in you as well. Yeah, I think a mother is more in tune to the needs of their children. I mean, some fathers probably are too, but and that is as a mother would pray out loud that they would maybe the father would become more aware of the needs of the children. 
through those prayers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, sometimes she's praying about my relationship with my children. So that's <laughs> down the road a little bit. We're kind of in engagement here, but I think, you know, just really learning to lay that foundation of learning to pray together, learning to hear each other's prayers, learning to be real um, from a spiritual standpoint, learning to be vulnerable. Wouldn't you say, Mary Beth? To be open with your weaknesses and to ask for prayer of each other is important. Really important just to be vulnerable. Yeah. So I love that verse. And I just think, where would we be if our prayers were hindered? And But, but it starts... You know, it starts in front of this thought that your prayers be not hindered has to do with how the husbands treat their wives and how they dwell together and the honor and respect that they show each other. And, you know, in it, it really says that they be heirs of the grace of life together. And I, life's just not graceful. You know, there's some challenges, some hard times that when we're first uh, newlywed, uh, we know that uh, where we're at. So. Yeah. The next thing would be just that um, the verse that just says that we might sanctify and cleanse each other with the washing of the water and the word. And I just I just think of that, that we're called to do that and um, learn to read, learn to pray, learn to worship together. So that's really just kind of my thoughts there, you know, as we kind of wrap that up around following biblical principles. Yeah. And so um, as we move forward, then on the acronym of faith, the next letter that we want to look at is A, and the title would be Applying Godly Wisdom. And so there's some verses that will help us when we think of application of applying God's wisdom so we have understanding. Um, in James 1, 5 through 6, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So he's, he's telling us we need to ask in faith. And it says here, that he will give to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind tossed. And so we can see here that God really blesses faith. And we see that in the Old Testament of our spiritual father, Abraham, where God blessed him because he believed God and followed in faith. In James 3.17, it's one of my favorite verses, and it's it's really explains what godly wisdom is. So the amplified version of um, James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. And I think we, we understand that pureness comes from heaven. And even within our own hearts, what is what is the pureness of our hearts? It's the Holy Spirit living within us. And so the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, it's and which means undefiled. It's peace-loving. It's very uh, courteous. It's considerate and gentle. It's willing to yield to reason. That's really one that I think is, is describing wisdom very well. It's full of compassion and good fruits. It's wholehearted and straightforward, impartial, doesn't have partiality. It's unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering, and insincerity. So we can see here that the Bible will help us that we can apply that pure wisdom in this relationship with one another, that we would be peaceable and gentle 
and easily to be entreated. Well, in the amplified version, that just really describes a positive marriage, doesn't it? Just if we could apply God's word, applied knowledge is wisdom, and that wisdom would just really bless a marriage that you just shared. Yeah, yeah. So, Terry, you have some things, um, some verses that that really stuck out as far as building our home. Yeah, so the first verse is Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So that's talking how we really need the Lord to build our house. We need him involved in our marriages in order for them to work. And the second verse is Proverbs 24, 3. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. So there again, it talks about wisdom and understanding. And in thinking about understanding, there's another verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So it's really through God's wisdom that he you know, will freely give us and through his understanding that our marriages will grow and and thrive and and be blessed and so that's the the a part of the word faith and next i think when we we think of the i it would be investing in counsel and community so that we then can have this wisdom in our lives in this relationship so brother greg maybe you could just share with us some some of the bullet points of investing in counsel and community. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think a big part of that is just understanding what the impact is. We talked about a little bit before just of, you know, being a part of a new church community and maybe being a different part of the church community inside just your local church as the two of you experience. But, you know, I just really try to encourage people to think about a Titus II church um, where the young and the old interact and really actually the single and the married interact as well. But um, just understanding that. So one of the things that we've done, just advent, investing in counsel from a more formal standpoint, I want to talk about some of the tools as we go through this, tools that are available through ACCFS, tools that they've provided us as an elder body, um, tools that you have access to out there. Uh, anyone who wants to utilize these, uh, they're available. And uh, one of those is the Growing Healthy Marriages Study. And so what we've done is we've just really encouraged uh, newly married couples to find a mentor couple, pick any mentor couple they want, and it could be of any age, but to go through that with each other. And we've found that that's been beneficial for the married couple, even to renew their commitment, but to share things that they've learned through the application of wisdom and godly principles in their own marriages and areas maybe that they've struggled a little bit. And so it's really been helpful. I was really touched because one of our young couples picked one of the older couples in the church. And it was just, there were just some really tender moments just talking to each of them about how it was going. So I really appreciated that. But I think even beyond that, even just in our family, you know, there's places. I mean, have you had times where you just felt you needed counsel just working through early marriage and maybe even beyond that, Craig? I mean, just. Yeah, we, we still we still are, are relying on the parents that are living. And and um, when we first bought our first house, we counseled with both of our parents and it was so beneficial. And, 
even 15 years later afterwards, um, we were still using counsel. And even today, even 37 years later, those parents and older brethren that we have relationships with, we've learned so much. And it's been good to invest in that counsel with them. So then the next part of uh, the word faith, we come to the T, transparent with leadership and wives. And, and there's things that we can do to build um, with our transparency in our lives with church leadership and with our wives as we look at this stage of the word faith. Yeah, let's plan on picking that up on the next session. We'll see you on session two as we kind of continue through this and then focus on the, the, the weight and the no as well as we think through those in this after-proposal phase of our lives. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.